Um, I'm Ashley. I'm Christina, and today it's Thursday. Today it's Thursday, and it's an interesting day. Not that you're listening to this on this interesting day, but join us in this interesting day. That It is the 21st day of the 21st year of the 21st century. Oh yeah, my cousin sent me something about that. My dad called me just to tell me that. <laughs> it's very adorable. <laughs> We're not really a phone call uh, group of people, my dad and I. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and But every once in a while, he'll just get kind of a wild hair to call me about something. Like, mm-hmm. I listened to Beethoven's Seventh Symphony today during work. Aww. Or it's the 21st day of the 21st year of the 21st century and then it, that's all he wants to talk about that's it <laughs> just like, <laughs> precious so that's awesome that's who we are that's the day it is and what we're doing here is this is a place within you probably knew that when you clicked it but we just feel like because everyone else tells you what their podcast is at the beginning of it we should too and so we do and we say <laughs> oh this is so awkward uh, it's a place within this week we're going to get to the heart of our thoughts feelings and desires where we trust we'll find the gospel and our need for it Yes. Uh, do we need to say that? Are we going to have a little content meeting right here I, with the I people? think a lot of podcasts come to a moment where they say, well, I'm not going to say that anymore. And then they stop. Um, yeah. If you listen to the first few episodes of Catching Foxes, it's actually like very funny. <laughs> it's like Gomer just being like, welcome to Catching Foxes. And there's like epic music playing in the background. It's super weird. Um, and they also had a little moment like this on their podcast where they were like, I don't think we need to do that anymore. And then they stopped. Well, I guess there's like, wow, get ready. Warning. I'm about to make some sweeping generalizations that I actually believe the base choices off of. So out with that. Um, Yeah, there's like some type A lady podcasts where they have like their recorded intro every single time. Mm-hmm. And then they like put that in there and then mm-hmm. then they get into it. So they don't say it every single time, but they have the, them saying it mm-hmm. every single mm-hmm. time. And I just think we have a different style than that. We do. What okay, I think great. we should do is start putting an introduction where we give an overview, a synopsis of the conversation. Before. <laughs> <laughs> so today, um, Ashlyn and I spoke about owls first and then we um shared our favorite songs. And then after that, we got into the meat of the topic, which was. We could put a, but no. like an outline in no. the show notes with bold no. of the, the important points because we don't have a linear conversation style and no. I don't mind that actually. Me neither. And I, but I do appreciate people that uh, follow better a linear style. See, that wasn't even a linear sentence. That was confusing. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just not for us. <laughs> yeah. So um I think there are a lot of we could, things that you can understand better if you expand your horizons. I'm not criticizing linear people. I'm just saying, you know, like some poems or plays or books of scripture. Indeed. I'd like to make a suggestion in this content meeting. I think we should put bullet points where we have riddles that describe each of the things that we talk about. <laughs> and then, So we'll just put that one on the back burner. The riddle, then you can understand what we're talking about. And honestly, exactly. you know... Sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes maybe the riddle would actually be easier to find out what we're talking about than just listening to it. <laughs> um, Indeed, sometimes. Yeah. Uh, and here we are. Um, yeah. An interesting fact about my day, in addition to what I've already shared about the 21-21-21 situation, is that discovered that there is a new coffee shop that has opened in my neighborhood. And for some Whoa. neighborhoods in the world, that's like, oh, yeah, you know. We have plenty of coffee shops, but my neighborhood is not a coffee shop neighborhood. It's like no, a it's drive two miles to Starbucks and sit in the drive through kind of a neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And so to have a coffee shop in the neighborhood 
That's cool. Is groundbreaking. And I hope that they do okay. Um, yeah. But I'm drinking an Americano. That was ordered as an ice Americano, but I was actually kind of glad when she made it hot. I was like, you know what? This is actually what I want. She just... Although... It's not the best practice for a new business. I know. <laughs> That's for sure. But what I will say is what they're really serious about, which I think is really cute. They sell coffee because that people like coffee and they will come in for uh-huh. coffee. But I think that they're like their passion is pretzels. Oh, I love sick. I pretzels. Like Bavarian style Like pretzels. fresh pretzels? Yeah. Soft like pretzels. Big fat pretzels. Can we go there like very soon? Very soon. So, all right, we're going to make our weekend plans after this podcast. Don't let me <laughs> leave before we do that. <laughs> There's a riddle about in the show notes. If you were wondering what that riddle was about, oh, it was about the fact that we're talking about weekend plans. <laughs> oh, Anything my gosh. interesting about your day in this banter section? In, um, in capital I for I've just been doing, <laughs> dude, don't talk of this outline that much because I'm probably not going to make oh, it. Oh, no one's going to make it. <laughs> Um, so yeah, my day. So here's the deal. I've been doing this thing for the past like four days, which is that I don't plan anything other than what's absolutely required of me. And then I say outside of that, I'm going to work. I'm going to do my work. I'm sorry. That. And it's like, oh, right, where are you, are you going to do it at the table? Are you going to do it in your room? Are you going to go to the office? You're going to go to a coffee shop? I'm like, I don't know. You're like, okay, well, do you want to go to mass? I'm like, yes. And okay. Are you going to go to eight or 12? I don't know. It's, and they're like, um, it's like midnight the night before. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Who do you want to go with? I don't know. So that's been my problem for the past few days. <laughs> I mean, does it work? Um, not the greatest. It, okay. Like, it's kind of annoying, I think. Like, I um, told one roommate when I walked by her cubicle at our office, I was like, I think I'm going to go home with you. And she was like, okay, cool. Thanks. So, like, no problem. And I was like, ah, everything's fine. And then I just, like, literally changed my mind 30 minutes later and forgot to tell her. And I went with someone else. And she was like, hey, where are you? And I was like, uh whoops but luckily she didn't have to wait forever she like just texted me right at the time we were gonna leave and i responded right away so it was fine (laughs) (laughs) um, today what happened was that i i told the people who were leaving on the early train the night before if i can sleep i'll go with you if i can't sleep i won't go with you i kind of like mediumly slept so in the morning i woke up and i texted them and i was like i didn't sleep enough i'm gonna go in later and so I knew I had a meeting at 9.30, and this is what happened. I woke up at 9.10 and did my meeting at, at the table, and then I did all my work at the table until I had class at 2. So I think that was not the plan. That's how we're living these days. If anyone's yeah. interested in hearing me talk about planning and the value of flexibility or agility in planning while still being able to manage tasks and get things done, let me know. Ooh, uh, I want to hear about that one day. I realized as okay, you were talking now, about but... that, like I was like, yeah, I was trying not to launch into – Ashlyn having a coaching How conversation. To. Yeah. Let's do that another like, time. I'm not opposed, though. I've had a friend um, finals week last semester. I was super distracted because I had just been proposed to. So um, <laughs> um, I literally had one of my friends who's like, she used to be in the military. She like made a schedule for me and she was like, this is what you should do. And I was like, all right, I'll do that. And then I did. And it went great. <laughs> That's so good. Well, and I, I, well, what the final teaser is if, you have had those kinds of plans where it's like rigid hour to hour, but there's something in you, whether it's your personality. I think it's your personality because we could say it's lack of virtue, but I think sometimes it's just personality where you're like, this doesn't yeah. always quite fit. I don't feel comfortable and free in this. I feel like I'm doing someone mm-hmm. else's plan. I've thought yeah, about yeah. another way um, and that could happen in the future. Um, yeah. So neat. Um and today is not the future. Today is the present. 
So um, just as it has been for months on end, since we all last spoke, since we were all last together, it's been one interesting story uh, in the history of our country. Um, riots in Washington, people breaking into the Capitol, can confusing responses to any of those situations and an inauguration. So that has now mm -hmm. happened. Um, yeah. And personally, like not fully engaged. Like, I don't, I don't know what to think about this. And so I just keep it at a distance. But what I could name yesterday was like, I kind of feel like this is the part of the third Hunger Games book where <laughs> President Snow is out and President Coin is in. Um, <laughs> yeah, and there's been like a big revolution against an oppressive power, but it's not the same kind of resolution as you'd think about in mm -hmm. your typical young adult novel. Indeed. Suzanne Collins really stuck to her guns on that one. Right. Are there lizard people in that book? Am I thinking of something else? There, there are, right? Well, I think that there are lizard people in the movie. Everyone in the Capitol does, like, really interesting things and modifies themselves in really strange ways. Um, and, like, the metaphor just continues to unfold. And, you know, like, I'm a huge fan of her singing, but I think that Lady Gaga at the inauguration did kind of dress like a person from the Hunger Games Capitol. In some no ways. way. So, um, I she was done with that. Yeah. I mean, I hope she's never all the way done with it, but yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. It's interesting. I think that those, there's, there's some awareness in that series of, of books. Indeed. Indeed. Um, yeah. I think that's not a totally inaccurate assessment. Um, but I think it's, it just hit me yesterday because I feel like a lot of times we, I don't know, there's this like dichotomy of how, we perceive Catholic politicians where there's like those who are in support of what, whoever the politician is are like, yeah, of course, like, you know, you can believe all those things and be in full communion with the church and who cares? And it's like, that's like not actually true. Mm -hmm. um, and so then there's this whole other camp of like, well, you know, clearly that's just a bad Catholic and mm -hmm. stay far away from everything because that's a bad Catholic. And like, okay, we can look at those and say, okay, we'll deal with that another day but um mm -hmm. because people talk about that all the time but what i do think is fascinating is that we have not had a catholic president since 1963 uh mm -hmm. pre roe v wade mm -hmm. and i just like gosh i like really want to make it my prayer that the bishops involved in our president's life and our holy father um like if it's the lord's will to like go to him as a son of a church and like mm -hmm. I don't know what, I, and I'm not saying that if the Pope told Joe Biden to like stop supporting abortion that he would, but I don't think it would be this like heinous political move that people tend to think it is. Mm -hmm. um, it would be like, I mean, I don't want to tell the Pope what he has to do. You know, mm -hmm. I don't like it when people do that, um, but it would make sense in my mind for the Pope to do a thing like that. Um, but anyways, um, I, I just think it's fascinating to think of like, um, we haven't had a man who like is in the, um, what was that? Sorry, that was a noise. Um, we haven't had a, a person in the White House, a, a president who um, is in some way, what's the word when you're like a, like, I don't know, yeah, just a son of like the the Catholic Church, like the Holy Roman Catholic Church. Um, and I just wonder what it looks like for a bishop and a pope to disciple a Catholic president who is a son of their church, you know? Right. Um, and I don't know that they will do that, but right. it's just like, there's a there's a hope there for me. There's a seed of hope in there for me. I used to say that if I 
could talk to any celebrity. I don't know that I feel this way anymore, but I, I still kind of do. If I could talk to any celebrity, it would be, this is back in the day, I would say this, it would be Joe Biden, because I want a powerful politician mm -hmm. who's a Democrat to like stand up and say abortion is evil and gross and bad. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. maybe not say gross, because you know, then no one will listen anymore. But, you know, <laughs> right. um, not to say that I would convince him, but I just like, anyways. Well, I think no, it's water. the desire to bring about the radiance of truth, you know, and mm -hmm. help people see what is true by witnessing to the truth is something we always have to desire. And I think that mm -hmm. this is per a particularly challenging moment in our lives. Um, but there's a great opportunity for formation and for blessing that the church mm -hmm. actually has, you know, um, but yes. everything about the way that we think about institutions, about interpersonal relationships, about the common good, about freedom, if it's going to be truthful, has to be conformed to the gospel. And so we have yep. to know the gospel and we have to continue. We have to recognize that we were created in a state of journeying, constantly being purified through the circumstances of our life to be more conformed to that truth. Um, and that it's available to us. It's unchanging. It is perfect and has been given to us in its perfection. But we are also still continuously being conformed to that perfection. And like, okay, we have to just like sit in that and and see when we see ways that something that I believe about the world or about myself or about others isn't actually in line with that, that it, it gets to be purified. Like that is our walk of discipleship. That mm -hmm. is what we're being led in and we could never even if everything was easy and and we agreed with every politician that ever made a decision on our behalf we would still have mm -hmm. to know that and so the fact that there's something challenging that shows us the disparity and our, our lack of knowledge and the lack of knowledge in the world like it hurts it's uncomfortable um it's also kind of inevitable in my opinion yeah uh or at least Absolutely. it brings us to something that would be inevitable a, a mm -hmm. need to make a choice uh, and and a daily need to continue to be purified in that choice. Um, Word. And one of the most effective places that we address that is just in the way that we see ourselves and the way we see others. Um, and I'm like now swimming in, in thoughts about politics and the country and institutions and all these things, but it, it is really exciting. It's like, okay, so practically, you know, um, what's been on my heart, what's been on your heart about that? And kind of as we talk about the president and judge, judging holiness and judging cath Catholicness and all of that, it's, it's yeah. a pretty confusing conversation to have because there are real mm -hmm. things where it's like you can't say something that's false is true and expect other people to agree with you, you know? Um, yeah. But those who would want to damn someone, um, mm -hmm. even though their public actions are have to be condemned you know like it's just really mm -hmm. confusing what do i do how do i talk so can we get into that can we talk about maybe less out there of those people and in politics but more like in my life how is this manifesting yes. itself um can i tell the people the secret yeah <laughs> we recorded an episode on on the following topic um that we will be discussing last week and the file was corrupted and it disappeared forever um and this has happened to us before and it was tragic as usual. But um, we are revisiting the topic. Now, last week, Christina. we did not have 
Oh, what? You, Christina asked, not- like, she's like, do you know how to get into this topic? And I was like, no. yeah, I do. And then I just vomited it. You didn't vomit it. We started talking about something bigger that I think if we tried to take that, the the way that I I think we're going to be discussing this topic, if we tried to fit it into the realm of (laughs) correcting the president of the United States as the Holy Father of the church, I think it would be very confusing. So, um, but I just, yeah, so. We did not talk about it in that context at all, and um, you know, it, as if we see a way that it fits into that context, cool. Yeah, yeah. So if we see a way that it fits into that context, cool. But um, we can now move to our regular little Catholic girl lives. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so how have we been talking about this before it blew up into? Yeah. The whole. Um, yeah. So um, something that I noticed in my move to um always being around catholics which it is just this season that i'm in at catholic grad school um is the tendency that we have to call people holy um as like a compliment you know it's like oh my gosh ashlyn is so holy like she's the best um and we see it as a compliment and it's like you know that's nice and good but then what happens is that then as soon as ashlyn does something that is even mildly sinful, it's like, <gasps> I thought she was holy, <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's just like kind of, I don't know, that like was, it was a part of sort of the way that my community was communicating with each other for a long time. Not like the shock and horror at other people's sins necessarily, but there, I think there's an element of that, to be honest. Um, and yeah, I think what we started to realize is that we were confusing or conflating, I should say, holiness and the virtue or the gift really of piety, which is a good thing. Um, And we were finding that we have this tendency to judge other people's um, ways of being Catholic Mm -hmm. and maybe have like a hierarchy of virtues and gifts in our minds Mm -hmm. um, that allows us to kind of like rank Mm -hmm. people's Catholicism. And because we are saying to ourselves, oh, well, I'm at a one. So like, you know, It's fine I'm for me to holy, say everybody so else. It's actually humble for me to yeah. rank other people. Yeah. So it's like, oh my God, no, like I'm not that holy. So like when I say you're a three, it's cool. I mean, no, I don't, nobody says that to each other. Like that would be weird. right. But, but you know what I mean? There like, is you a, look at somebody in the front row and they're like, oh, she, she, she or he's a 10. I'm a one. So it's fine for me to say that, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I think that this like kind of subliminal ranking that we would struggle with in our hearts, like I've definitely experienced that. I think that in the, human element of life as church and the reality of like human society and the way that we relate to each other and the way that we were made like neurologically we suss those things out we just need to know what to do with them um Um, i just got nervous that i wasn't talking loud enough so sorry if i've been quiet just now um (laughs) uh agreed and i think that the consequence like what are the consequences i guess of that you know okay, we're scandalized by other sin. Um, Sometimes that's inevitable. We don't need to like, Mm -hmm. but you know, like maybe there's an unfair burden. I'm like trying to Mm -hmm. think critically about this. It's it's also like we fall into arrogance in that. Mm -hmm. We can't love our neighbor because our priority isn't to love our neighbor. Our priority then becomes to like know our, neighbors strengths and weaknesses and then decide yeah. how worthy or to what extent they're worthy yeah. of our love and that just looks nothing like jesus 
or like how good our relationship with them probably will be, mm-hmm. um, which is like the cleaner version of saying what you just said, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. It's like, because Aristotle mm-hmm. said pre-incarnation and without a, yeah, without being a Christian or there were no Christians back then, you know, without indeed being one of God's people without being in covenant with God made a very astute observation about human interaction that in order to be in a virtuous friendship with someone else, they have to match you in virtue um, in order for you to actually be able to challenge each other. Um, And while there is something true in principle about that, it is essentially interrupted by -hmm. the incarnation in that God, who was perfect in himself, took the form of a slave, humbling himself to death, even death on a cross. And made to made himself to be friends with us. Yes. So that, yeah, so that we could be called children of God. And so we are. So there's some little splicing of, of Philippians and, and John, Good first job. John together. But yeah. And then I had to like weirdly flex that I knew where those things came from in the Bible. So, uh, um, it was impressive. Stretch break. I so, rank you a seven. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Uh, I'm really only a one, folks? but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but who oh hasn't God, no. had the like <laughs> subtext of that conversation? Um, mm-hmm. So what do we do? You know, mm-hmm. uh, I think we have to recognize that the incarnation disrupts that, and then say why. You know, mm-hmm. and say okay, mm-hmm. if this isn't how we're to live, this is attempting Christian community. This is oriented towards lives of piety. But what my brain wants to do, and what my heart does, and how I relationally operate in this life that I'm trying to live as Jesus' disciple isn't the whole picture. It's not all the way there. So then like, what do we do? How do we get there? Yeah. Well, I think it's worth noting that in that Aristotelian discussion of virtuous friendship. um, Yeah. Like you said, it's an astute observation, um, but it, I think it still is like a transactional relationship. Right. And if you're saying like, you know, our goal is for both of us to become more virtuous. Um, it's not that it's antithetical to love, like desiring the good of the other is love, um, but making judgments and deciding to what extent you are going to love mm-hmm. um, or enter into a relationship based off of your own judgments about someone else's virtue um, is, is a very dicey situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I wouldn't go so far as to say like, well, because Jesus was friends with every single person he ever met, even, you know, those who would like maybe be dangerous to him. I mean, I don't know. We, yeah, like criminals, whatever. We don't hear a whole lot about him hanging out with murderers, except for maybe on the cross. Yeah, I was just saying, you know, I'm sure that he did. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's a good point. Um, like, Ugh, and betrayed it, by one of his apostles. Yeah. I hasn't think So we wouldn't, yeah. we wouldn't go and say that we would like force ourselves into um, like super intimate relationships when it's not prudent Mm -hmm. but that's like the that's the extreme and so i'm going to take that out and stay with like um the more practical when we're saying to ourselves oh you know i don't know like this these subliminal judgments that people will make about each other you know Mm -hmm. i've never seen so-and-so at daily mass so you know they probably won't be a good husband um i think so-and-so has one too many beers when they go to the bar therefore we probably won't be good friends. Uh, you know, like just these like things that are very like external mm-hmm. um, manifestations of virtue and then making these assumptions um, 
that we are aware mm -hmm. of what kind of virtues or gifts or, re or reverence towards God they have because of what we can see. And um, yeah, so, okay, there's that. And then I'm going to throw one more other little thing in here. Um, this reminds me of our conversation about like Catholic community that we had back in August before mm -hmm. I moved here, um, where we were talking about like the tendency either to want to conform or not to conform and mm -hmm. how I tend to fall more and like wanting not to conform in a lot of ways. Um, and an assumption that I found about myself within this examination mm -hmm. is that I assume if people are exteriorly pious, I assume that there's some kind of underlying desire for them to like have others see them that way mm. to for other people to think they're holy I, I say to myself so and so wouldn't be praying that way if they didn't want me to think they're holy so you know what i think that and so now you better live up to it mm. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. um and so if we have like the maybe more quote-unquote pious version of this being like oh i you know i only want to be friends with people who are going to draw me to heaven so like mm -hmm. you are worthy and I, then you also have the me version of this which is like you know if you're fake like, if you're going to act like that, prove it. Otherwise, mm. I'm going to assume that you're fake. And both of these things are insanely antithetical to the gospel, maybe especially that second one. But um, yeah, like, I, the last thing I want to say about it is that, like, in friendship, what we need to do is love and receive each other in mm. love. And so, like, that is not the same thing as what was just described. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. Well, and I mean, okay, so what do I do? My, I think my, like, tendency in my self-defense is you don't actually know me. When I perceive a judgment, then my default place of protection isn't, is yeah, you don't know anything that's going on with me and my life is completely private. And so mm -hmm. you might have made a judgment about me and actually your judgment might be right, but I want to convince you that you don't actually know the answer. I'm going to hide in some relational ambiguity. ambiguity. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's yeah. complicated. Um, <laughs> there's that. Um, all it to say is that we find ourselves in a place of real importance because we were made for communion and we were made to be in relationship with God and with neighbor. Um, and so if we have these like toxic ways of relating to each other, that's a kind of an overly used word, but I do think it's effective. Like then we don't get to enjoy something that God wants to give as gift to us. And so taking a step back from it, you know, and saying there's so many things that I could do wrong. You know, I could like be really suspicious of my friends and really only want to be close with people who I deem good enough. And then I fall into all these difficulties and I'm not really acting in charity toward people. I fall into temptation to hide myself from other people. And or, you know, like I might be tempted to enter into the savior complex of like, people are making choices that I know are damaging that I can't share with mm -hmm. them, but I'm just going to enter into friendship with them so I can fix them and make them better, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And there's just chaff and wheat all over this thing. You know, some of these <laughs> things are so good that we, we can't just throw it out. Mm -hmm. um, but some of it isn't for us. And so, yeah, mm -hmm. talk about state of journeying, talk about like perpetual purification. Mm -hmm. that's, that's what we're in. Um, but I do think that then when we take that step back and say, okay, like, where are we? It's me. I'm like, let's define our terms. Mm -hmm. <laughs> when we talk about holiness, something that's really struck me this week and, and just reading that I've been doing is that we would always get confused about holiness if we're looking to the person to be their own source of holiness. But if we see that holiness is a gift 
yeah, from God and holiness is God's that he gives mm-hmm. to us, mm-hmm. then I think it helps us be less confused because we're seeing it in the light of truth. So if I'm judging yeah. someone based off of their holiness as some characteristic of theirs, mm-hmm. then when they're not holy, I'm confused about their identity. You know, if I mm-hmm. see it as something of God's that that person receives and accepts because they've been given it. Also, if yeah. I'm in relationship, people as, yeah, God's beloved who he's entrusting to me, he's giving to me, that mm-hmm. one changed the dynamic as well. What are you thinking? Yeah. Well, I, th- I think um, that's a really important um, reality to name that holiness is God's and anything that we have of it is a gift. Um, but I think also like to, it, it is of God. So like treating it with utmost reverence, even like the name of like, uh, or not the name, the adjective or like so-and-so is holy. That should not be like a, like that's a reverent thing to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's, I mean, that's not to say that I think it would be always like equivalent to taking the Lord's name in vain to be like, ah, yeah, it's because I'm so holy. That's why I did it. Like, mm-hmm. I, I mean, that's not like, I'm not saying that that would be always extremely disordered. Um, but I think like treating it as just a compliment at like, the same way of like, oh, like, I like your dress, you know, like, mm-hmm. which I think there is something in that when we're like, yeah. oh, you know, you, you pray so nice. You're holy. <laughs> I know um, like and- a lot of Protestants like really get irked when they hear Catholics throw around holiness. Oh, yeah. They have a term I hear, you know, that a lot of Protestants use instead, like godly, as that same description. Oh, he's a really oh, godly man. She's a really godly woman. <laughs> I think that's interesting. I don't know much more about it, but... Yeah, that's funny because I would, I would like see it almost as like... I agree. I, yeah. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I don't There's know if I would say that about a difference someone. in terminology there. Yeah, exactly. But I, And I think they both apply to kind of what we're talking about, mm-hmm. which is that you know, using it as this adjective that's the same as virtuous or the same as nice to me or mm. like, you know. Or like um, hot and loving. I would be interested in marrying them. <laughs> would make a good husband <laughs> equals holy. Um, no, but I think like material. we need to see that holiness is a deeper reality mm. than all these other wonderful things, you know, there are seven gifts of the Holy Spirit and they're all great things. And if I say to Ashlyn, you are wise, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Mm-hmm. If she has said, if she has manifested her gift of wisdom to me, if somebody has manifested their gift of piety, like that's cool, go for it. And you can compliment them up the wazoo for it. Um, but I think, and the fact is that without grace, you wouldn't have any wisdom. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't have any, I mean, right. Yeah, you wouldn't have any authentic piety. Um, you wouldn't have any authentic wisdom. Um, well, and it's, yeah, like, wow. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of baptism, for mm-hmm. the gift of the Eucharist in the sacraments that you, in a real way, make me more of who I am, but I only exist because of God, you know? And yeah. so, like, yeah, like, oh, how cool is that? I struggle so much with in those times where I'm like, oh, none of this would be possible without him. So it's not me trying to prove that I am these things. I am nothing. Yeah. But I and am the whole, something. Sorry. No, the ahead. whole Christian journey is like God became man so that man could become God. Like mm-hmm. that was sort of saying what you said right. earlier. Um, and I didn't say that. That's like a church father's thing and a Bible thing. So anyways, um, but like uh, when we think of ourselves as like gaining the virtue of holiness gaining the holy stars like no any holiness is becoming more like god which is where the godly term comes in Mm -hmm. um yeah and like being able to hold that 
actual reality of someone as like so um, intimate to who they are. Not saying that it's totally off the table to say so-and-so is a holy man because there are living saints. Um, but like, I think in our, when we go into our day-to-day and seeing these as just ways of describing that they're like a good friend to us or whatever, I think it's so important that we um, are just more careful about our terms with that because we deceive ourselves and we deceive others um, about what holiness is and what we should expect from others and what love is when we, um, I don't know, do these projections. It's like I've seen um, in my communities here and I do the same thing, but like if, yeah, I mean, you were pointing on it many times in this conversation. Um, If in like the secular world, it's like so-and-so is, you know, really hot, (laughs) um, is like the utmost compliment, not the utmost, but you know what I mean? Like um, there's something about like that. There's like a little kind of equivalency in our community um, that will, I don't know, just saying like, you know, oh, so-and-so is really holy, like just throwing it around there to like let ourselves know um, that we admire so-and-so and, and, um, which is a good thing. Mm -hmm. But like, we just need to be very specific about what we actually mean. Um, And I think it can be helpful for a person to realize, oh, hey, I'm attracted to piety. Mm-hmm. I'm attracted to freedom, <laughs> you know, right. um, and like finding that all of us are going to be somewhat attracted in different ways to the ways that God manifests himself in mm-hmm. people's lives. Um, before I'm attracted to holiness, I'm attracted to like extreme honesty. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, I, that's the wrong word. <laughs> Repeat. I did it. said it wrong. I meant to say before I'm attracted to extreme piety, yeah. I'm attracted to extreme honesty. Mm-hmm. And that's me personally. Mm-hmm. I but and my problem is that I see honesty as better than piety mm. when actually both of those things are just like good things yeah. that are a part of being a Christian. And like if there's a pious person who struggles more with like vulnerability, I should not be wandering around acting like their their piety like is unwarranted and they should mm. stop. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah, for sure. I don't know. I I went about like 10,000 different directions just now. So take what you want and talk about it. (laughs) Well, and you know, if we step all the way out again of, I I find these things attractive because I was made for God and he is these things and I get to see them and know them and in a deeper, more real way through the witness of this person and the image of God uniquely given to me in the gift of this person. Um, and I want a heart that is big enough to want all of God and it's being stretched, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I was thinking of this a little earlier, but it's, it's come back up. Here we are. They, yeah, this is a battle of the flesh and the spirit. My flesh wants to be self-protective. That wants to grade other people. Yeah. And yep. I don't have to like be mad at those things, but I can let them die. Um, mm-hmm. to be resurrected in a, a more beautiful way of seeing and being and relating to others uh, yes. that is transformed in Jesus uh, and that he's doing that all the time in me and in others. And it's so freeing, you know? And mm-hmm. okay, we, you know, in our flesh, we're students, we're Americans, and none of those are bad things. But if they dictate my personality and the way that I treat people and they're never made anew, they're never like transformed into a 
not just something different, but something more and something truer mm-hmm. than what they were maybe imaging before. If I if I grade people because I've been graded for my whole life and I have a strong association subconsciously about that equaling goodness and love. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like, that's why I do that. I don't have to be mad about it, but I can also let mm-hmm. it go. Um and and be grateful that I see see this in a way that I never did before. So if anyone's like, oh gosh, you know, I've I've been doing it wrong, it's like put that down. And if if we also see it within our community, it's like, oh, you know, like when I first decided that I wanted to make the gospel the center of my life and I wanted to understand that I was made to be a disciple of Jesus and live my life in a way that reflects that. I started using these terms because I heard my peers using them and people that I wanted to be more like were doing it. And so I did it. Mm -hmm. And it's not a problem until we realize that it is. And then Mm -hmm. when we realize that, then we get to change. We get to become more, you know? Yeah. And we get to be gentle with ourselves. Like Mm I am starting to realize this in the last couple of weeks. Um, I don't, I don't know if this is how you function um, when you notice your like habitual, like mental sinful attitudes but um i like have these like little conversations with myself which i hope are guided with by the holy spirit in some way um where it's like i notice myself doing the thing um and this is like actively this isn't a um a look into my brain and heart right now um like i said my tendency is to claim that so-and-so's piety or ways of acting are all like a show and they're fake and they're actually no holier than anyone else and like so they should stop acting like that and blah blah blah. so um when i noticed that come up and i noticed this like annoyance that so-and-so is doing this like pious thing um i have to have this little conversation in my head that's like oh that's the thing that is indicative of your own insecurity um and your own judgment Mm. and um and and like have that moment of repentance of like, Lord, look at what I'm doing. Um, I don't want to do that. But also, even as I'm saying it to you, I'm still kind of doing it. Mm-hmm. So like, you need to just see that that is a manifestation of my own littleness, um, which is how I mm-hmm. <laughs> start to have any affinity for Therese was to realize that mm-hmm. when she says littleness, what it means for me is like, serious sinfulness. <laughs> um, but it is like, it's, it's like a thing of like, look, this is how I am. This is my habit. Um, and I'm, I know that you've called me to something more, but I'm really not capable of it. Yeah. Without I'm like so weak. Yeah I, grace. I, yeah. I can't um, do it. So yeah. I, and I, I'm not even going to try to change it right now mm-hmm. and like try to replace it with the right thought about that person. I'm just going to say like, okay, so that's what just happened. And actually I'm at mass. So how about I... <laughs> worship you (laughs) that's the wisdom of it that's the place where it happens you know like when we get in this i I don't know okay so not an authority never have been but really making that clear right now is that this muscling it out and saying okay i have to fix it or Mm -hmm. punish me or whatever you know when we when we realize that thought is like climbing that staircase and yes like god wants us in heaven and is with us on that staircase. But also through St. Therese, doctor of the church, taught us a little way that says exactly that mm-hmm. of like, just pick me up in the elevator, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that isn't without effect. And we don't do it because we want the effect someday. You know, mm-hmm. the effect being like incredibly inspiring an incredibly inspiring life because it's absolutely characterized by charity because it is so close to Jesus's heart 
when we ask to be drawn in, you know, like that's just mm-hmm. so cool. And I, I am right there with you doing that exercise of, you know, repent and believe and start again. Yeah. Um, and, and wanting to, instead of just say the stair is too hard. And so I'm going to stop and sit on the stair for a, a six months. Mm-hmm. Say, Jesus, you could take me up in this elevator right now. And I actually want to go mm-hmm. with you. Mm-hmm. But um, also not saying to yourself, I, I don't know, this is interesting because, sorry, I keep hitting my microphone. Um, I feel like if I, in that moment, were to say, um, I I can do it myself, I'm going to go up the stairs myself. I'm like working through this image. If you are not familiar with St. Therese's image of the little way, it's just this thing of going to heaven, either by like the hard way of trying to get up these stairs or like having the uh, Jesus' love like take you in an elevator. But imagine um, you're a tiny little girl with a pink bow in your head. exactly (laughs) yeah if you can't imagine yourself that way then saint Therese isn't for you and um (laughs) just move on no just kidding um it totally is um i part of me thinks if i were to like try to keep muscling my way up that natural virtue like the aristotelian virtue thing Mm -hmm. um and like like that's to me almost like the stairs and the thing is that the stairs stop like they can't actually get all the way to, Mm -hmm. to heaven um, and I don't know if that's like a part of how she made that image in her mind, but for me, it's like, I don't know, what does it even look like to be on the stairs while actually receiving grace and going to heaven? Like, I, I don't know. I don't know if that's a thing. And it's really not worth me trying to think about because like, it's just me trying to be more and more self-reliant. Mm-hmm. Um, and it actually won't work if I try to just say like, oh, don't worry, God, like, watch me, watch me be virtuous. Look at how nice I'm going to think about so-and-so. Remember mm-hmm. how they used to annoy me? Look how good I am. Like, that's also a major problem. And it's not going to bring me up to heaven. Even if it makes me feel like I'm walking up the stairs, like, it, it'll stop at a certain point. Am I wrong? No. How would I know? Um, <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I, I think that in my life, I think I, I stall a lot in this interior yeah, me conversation. Too. Um, but I need to talk out the properties of the stairs and the difficulty of the stairs and the reality of the stairs for a long time before I'm like, oh, look at that elevator, you know? And right. I think that like, yeah, I should pray for more desire and awareness of Jesus's love for me. Um, but also I've experienced a lot of company from him and a lot, I've learned a lot in thinking about the stairs, you know? And like, I could imagine because yeah, the life of holiness is, is the same and also completely unique in every person. But it's it's the same. It's the same journey. It's the same road. It's the way of the cross, you know, for every single person. Um, maybe there are ways that, like, he wants to change my focus or uh, spend less time on the stairs. But he stays so close, you know, mm-hmm. that That's the point beautiful. is to, to stay engaged in the conversation and realize that it's one to have, you know. Uh, It's not just these assumptions that we have about who other people are and what they're like. Um, And the assumptions that immediately come to mind, just trusting them as correct is like probably not going to lead us to the things that we want to meditate on. But he'll use that too. He'll use it all. Yeah. That's so good. Um, Yeah. I want to like throw in a little example to like wrap this conversation up. Mm -hmm. Um, One of my friends who I've met here, like while I would... um, be tempted and have said, um, like she is so holy. Um, I will say she manifests a bunch of virtues and gifts mm-hmm. that I think I manifest less. Not that that, not that the 
amount necessarily matters, but what I'm getting at is like Aristotle might think to himself if he was this girl, oh, like no need to be friends with Christina. I have those virtues that she's working on. Um, This girl, when we have like real conversations of receiving each other, she comes out of it saying like, I'm so glad I listened to you, Christina. I wouldn't have thought of that. You know, like, and I'm like sitting there like, geez, (laughs) I'm sitting here thinking you're so much better than me. And like, I learned so much from her, obviously, like, um, but I don't know, like if we allow ourselves, if we confine ourselves to these um, judge, oh, and I should also say that then she would also be the kind of person who I would say to myself, oh, like you're too pious, like this is all fake, blah, blah, blah. Um, And when we confine ourselves to those kinds of judgments, so much is lost. Like this mm-hmm. relationship would not exist if we tried to function on a, on that level. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. Praise be to God that yeah. he invites us into like actual love and actual friendship yeah. and actually receiving each other as gift rather than receiving each other as tool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Amen. Wow. Um, mm. Yeah. I should say that we should wrap this up soon because I'm supposed to eat dinner with these people soon. Um, these people, meaning my friends <laughs> who live time. in my house. It's dinner time, um, but and gentlemen. Say whatever it is that you want to say, girl. Yeah, I mean, sometimes there's this disconnection or it seems like another thing on the laundry list or like the uh, like <laughs> undelightful chore that we have to do in order to get God the Father's approval to to love the poor or to love little children. And it's conversations like this that help me realize um that in the wisdom of god you know the wisdom of god is greater the foolishness of god that's it the foolishness of god is like eons beyond the wisdom of man um aristotle's a wise guy the foolishness of god to say love the poor and love little children um that's it that was good man it's true so Ah, spectacular in your soul as before it's time for dinner um 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 was the thing when i talked about saint joseph was that on the last podcast that went out or on the one that we lost it was lost oh that was lost okay then i'm going to share that again i'm not going to read the whole thing because it's over there and i'm over here um but i was reading this devotional about saint joseph some of which i i mean i i love saint joseph um the author of this book of the devotional some of it i I like what he said and some of it and i'm like author man why don't you just let the saints talk it'll be fine um but one of the things that's in there is a poem um, by some French poet about sleep and like God, God's attitude about sleep. And it has this like very um, simple tone. Um, but part of it says things about how um, I should say that I have trouble sleeping usually. And it says like how little trust in my providence, like a child is supposed to sleep in his mother's arms and you won't sleep in my arms. Like, how little trust in my providence, like, makes me sad that you don't want to sleep. <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> I need to read this every night, like, all night. I told me last week. And then being like, so good. yeah, you're right. I stink. I still don't trust you, so I'm just going to keep staying up. <laughs> and it's so funny. Again. It's so simple. And, and it's very applicable to my life. So if you're like, every time I go to sleep, every time I stay up a little bit late, does it mean that I don't trust God? I'm like, I don't know. Maybe not, but in my life, it very much does. <laughs> like, that, that, that I'm not being soul. fake. This is real. <laughs> mm. Beautimus. I love it. How about you? Um, got to shout out the catechism once again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. For this class. Um, catechism, paragraph 766. I read it and I was like, 
oh baby and it's in the the article on the church um and something that i said pretty boldly my last year as a campus missionary was like you know we're sons and daughters of god because we're created created that but also we're like sons of god and daughters of god through marriage <laughs> uh that we're one with jesus in marriage but not just our understanding of marriage in a, in a greater sense of what it is that as two people become one we are wed to him in baptism yeah um and that's the church you know um and i had never really heard anyone talk about it that way and i had heard plenty of talking about the church and unity with god and like divine sonship and it just didn't come up and i was like was i crazy for saying that and then right <laughs> there in the catechism it is it is much more beautiful than what i said to these girls on campus but even talks about how um as adam was sleeping in the garden eve was taken from his side his bride was taken from his side the church was taken from christ's side as he slept in death on the cross and his side was pierced in this paragraph yes and i was just like knocked out and i felt yeah. like in a much better holier way it's like harry potter cast that bad spell on me in the book six and i was draco malfoy and i got like cut up and like strung up by my feet <gasps> but in a way holier way <laughs> that's such a grotesque okay. image now that i say it out loud yeah. gross i mean that's like kind so, of an evil spell <laughs> in, in, in a better in the in the I nice it wasn't like that. that it was it, it was, was like a, your brokenness it, that happened to all your sin to your sinful nature it was like and it left your spiritual nature the resurrection of being slain is that anyway okay. that was weird i wish i wouldn't I have said it now but we're I, I said it <laughs> and so with that this has been a place within thanks for listening to it christina has to go to dinner now i do and we hope you have a good day whatever you're doing next thanks for taking some time to be with us glad for the ways that you reflect holiness in the world indeed goodbye